Hello, everybody. Alpha Tau here, your host, Tim Haddon. Wanted to add uh, something to our podcast for your listening as you drive or as you're exercising, whatever you do when you listen to podcasts. I managed to clean up the audio versions of Verbal Bean's Prayer, and I was able to get the majority of the hiss out and a lot of the distortion. And uh, I know that uh, Holy Ghost Radio also provides a cleaned up edition. I did pay $5 today uh, before I uploaded what I had produced to kind of see how they compared. Theirs is very good. Uh, I just was able to get the bulk of the hiss out of the audio recordings. And uh, I'm breaking these into segments because uh, it appears that they're not really in order. But uh, I'm going to be trying to put these up for you to listen to, to have a clean version to go through. And I uh, hope that it's a enjoyable experience for those of you wanting to listen to an edition of Verbal Beans Prayer Series. All right. Hope you enjoy. Because we do not know some things about prayer, we have not got the results. As a result of this, we have no desire to pray. It becomes a drudgery. It becomes a ritual. Instead of a pleasure to go and talk to him and know he's going to answer you. And there's nothing more exciting than to get an answer through to God. I mean, and know that he's the one that did it and there was no other way it could have been done. And you was the one that prayed that prayer of faith. I want you to know that will stir you up and excite you. And if you've never had that excitement, you ought to try it. Amen. All right. We have the two types of prayers, current and memorial. You must learn it if you are successful in praying. Let me use this example. When you go to pay your bills, you have some current bills and you have some that are not current. The, if you are buying a home, possibly 36 months to pay. Well, you go and take their, that $72 payment down there, or you send it off in the mail. It does not discourage you because they don't send you a note back that says paid in full. Because you know you've got some more payments coming up. But now, a light bill, that is a monthly bill, if you pay it and they don't mark it paid in full, now that's another subject. It's a current bill. It's supposed to be paid in full monthly. There's some bills that you just know you're going to put some more down. You've got it to do. You agreed to that. You signed up for that. And if you could learn this in your prayer life, you could start seeing far greater results. What happens is this. When you are praying a memorial-type prayer, and if you do not realize that it's a memorial-type prayer, you will give up sometimes just before the last payment. And you become discouraged. You, you'll... Uh, cease to pray because this may have been over a period of several years that you've been asking for one thing and it didn't happen and this is what you've got to drive home to the church you're preaching to or you've got some dear old sister out there that's praying and praying and prayed for years for that unsaved husband and finally she just used to tell her that uh, well let's believe for this revival and she gave up three revivals ago well, if you can make her understand that she was praying a memorial-type prayer, you will give her new hope for an answer. 
you will make her understand that she should not expect her paid in full stamp overnight. And it will give her new courage to go make another payment. Now the example of the memorial prayer, we find that prayed by Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile praying an impossible prayer. And the Bible said that he just simply prayed and fasted and gave alms and kept sending up to God his supplication. I don't know how long, but evidently it was over a period of time this happened until finally God says to the angels, first of all, this little group of angels over here, I want you to knit a sheet and get some four-footed beast and put on it and take it down to that apostolic preacher that's asleep on that housetop. And then I want this messenger angel to drop down at the house of Cornelius. Because the man's made some payments. And there's so many of them that I'm going to have to do something about it. And so the last day came, he got up and prayed that morning. I wonder how many times Cornelius got to the point that he wondered if God would ever hear him. You must understand that he was a Gentile praying out of season. But this morning he arises to pay his payment. And all of a sudden an angel steps down and says, Cornelius, thy prayers and thine arms have come up before God as a memorial. God's got to do something, boy. After all, you've just paid and paid and paid and paid and the books is loaded with payments and he had to turn another page and put continued on another one. And now then God says, I've got to do something. The man can't just keep sending it up here and me not do anything. So he reached out and started the operation to complete and answer that prayer. But no doubt it was prayed over a period, could have been years, could have been his lifetime. He could have started as a child praying this prayer. I don't know, but all I know is it didn't happen overnight to Cornelius. And what came up before God was as a memorial. Now, if you can teach the saint that there's two types of prayer, first get it in your own crawl you'll pardon that expression, and learn it yourself. That's the best way to teach anything is to learn it yourself. The old saying is, is among the educators, if you don't know how to do it, teach it. But uh, with this, it won't work. You've got to know how to do this to transfer it. You can get up and harp about prayer, but if you have been casual about it yourself, there's a ring to that. Your entire ministry reflects your prayer life. Your walk with God, your testimony, even your countenance witnesses either for or against you if you pray like you ought to. People can tell it. And don't think you will learn the tactics of a minister and uh, promotions. Now, I do know some, of, some men who have told me that they do not know how to pray that have great churches. And uh, I am pretty well convinced that they really meant what they said. They didn't know how to pray. One pastor told me that, said I never did learn how to pray. And he had a great church. But you see, he had to pray in life. And he had to pray in church. What he learned, he learned to inspire them to do it. Now, if you want to take that dangerous route, you can. But I refuse because if I learn to promote saints to do something that I'm not doing myself, I am exposing myself to sin, to fall. If I give out, come on folks, let's worship, and let's pray fast, and I never do it myself. I'm asking them to do something I will not do myself, and I'm exposing myself to some dangerous pitfalls. I don't care who it is. 
doesn't make any difference. The man that can get by without prayer is walking along a dangerous road at every moment of his life. So don't even try to learn that. The danger part of that is this particular preacher, he produced some preachers, and they didn't know how to pray. And you're going to have one crop up that's not going to have the ability that he had, and he don't know how to pray either, so you can imagine what the results will be. The main thing, for your own soul salvation, you're going to have to pray. There's no such, and a preacher of all people needs to pray, and we're going into that study later. But uh, I know you know this already, but dear Lord, help me to somehow drive it home. Because after you get out there and get a little taste of success, the temptation will be there to stop your praying and start working on the momentum of past experiences. And there's nothing more dangerous because somewhere down the road, your checking account's going to run out. You've got to continually deposit into your account if you're going to call on it. All right, the memorial type prayer needs to be taught first to yourself, then to others, and you will have built faith and a soul will have been saved because you made them understand that they not, don't always get their answers overnight. Now, there are some prayers that demand immediate results. Even in your praying for someone that's sick or for yourself, You'll find it written in God's Bible that two types of prayer is mentioned again. If any is sick among you, let him call the elders of the church, anoint with oil, the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. That's current, instant results. But did you ever notice the next one said, let him that is afflicted pray. Now it's possible that that affliction won't always move overnight. We hope it does. But sometimes those afflictions have got to be prayed over a while simply because it may be a test of our faith or it may be that we need to be washed out. It, uh, there may be a lesson to be learned. So even in praying for the sick, you've got to realize there's two types of prayer. And if you can convince that dear old soul, whoever she or he may be, that that affliction in that body, just because we didn't get an answer tonight, doesn't mean we're not going to get our healing. Faith has been destroyed because they did not understand the two types of prayer, even for the sick. I didn't get my results tonight. And then faith dies. But if you can make them understand, let him that is afflicted pray. You may have to talk to him again tomorrow about it. Then you have built up hope and faith that one of these days I'm going to get my answer. Now, a little illustration that I use, and may work for you, it may not, but... Uh, it at least proves my point. The fact that there is such a thing as a layaway plan, and I'm sure that you boys have heard of it, at least. I've used it myself. I've actually had suits on layaway so long till I forgot the color they were. And it's an exciting thing when you take that last $3 down there and you hand them $3 and they hand you a suit. And that's the cheapest suit I've bought in a long time. $3 and got a suit. But you see, there's records there showing I had a lot of those $3. And the majority of the time, this is how prayer, prayer is answered. Sometime at the least expected moment, your payments catch up. And God says, I'm ready to answer. And it seems so easy and seems so simple. But you must remember that David said one time, he said, O Lord, thou tellest of my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? 
God's got him a big old bottle and every tear you shed is going in that bottle. And he's got a book and he's writing down the prayers you pray. And he's telling of our wanderings. He knows all about all this going on. He's heard us the many times we saw him over that one particular need. And after a while that bottle gets full, he's got to do something about it. And if you can make them understand, that old unsaved boy, that unsaved husband, or that unsaved neighbor that you prayed for so very long, if you'll just keep paying those $3 payments, one more tear may do it. One more day of fasting may get him out of layaway. And I've seen that. In revivals, I have enjoyed reaping the results of sometimes years. I remember one particular occasion in revival, this old boy had been around Pentecost and faithfully came to church for 30 years. Fearful services, dreadful services, Calvary-type services, love, mercy, name it. He had heard it and laughed at all of it. But that wife of his just kept paying her three dollars, believing that someday he's going to mark it paid in full. And I'll never forget that night, that hard man that everybody had tried and that didn't really mean that I was something special. There's been greater preachers than myself reach for him and him sit back there and smile at him. If there's anything that's hard for a preacher is to preach maybe the judgments of God and see somebody grinning at him as though, buddy, you're not affecting me. So you might as well get on with your story. And uh, he had sat back there through so many until he'd learned to just shake them all off. But this particular night, that dear woman's prayers was stacked up before God until he said, I've got to do it. <laughs> and you know what I did to get him to the altar? It was the simplest thing. I just simply walked back and I said, come go with me. And he got up and followed me like a little baby and prayed through in just a few minutes. Thirty years of revival after revival. Was it any great thing I did? No. The lady just understood to keep stacking the payments. And I happened to be there when she got him out of layaway and got to enjoy it. Praise the Lord. And that's fun. And if you want that kind of fun, you teach them that there is such a thing. And they'll believe God and they'll stack up some more sacrifice during your revival. And somewhere in there they'll get some results. Or during the time you're pastoring that church, you'll get it. If you'll make them understand the two types of prayer. Now. But if you don't get it, let it fall where it will. Let it fall into the memorial type praying. But don't give up on it. That's why the book says you have need of patience. But after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Now that scripture alone tells me that I may not get my answer right now. I have need of patience to keep stacking up some payments. So you without question have two types of prayer. Now then... We want to enter into the steps to successful praying. And then back to Daniel's five-point prayer. Let's call this one over here the channels of approach. And let's call this steps to successful praying. 
First Timothy 2 and 1 gives us the channels of approach, not necessarily in order. So how you copy them down doesn't mean one thing. But I could not tell you in two weeks anything more valuable than to learn what I want you to learn about the channels of approach. You have supplication. I'm going to breathe. You have prayer. You have intercession. And thanksgiving. Now what do we mean by channels of approach? In the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, we have examples of spiritual things. Spiritual parallels are found throughout the Old Testament. One of the spiritual parallels that you must recognize is found in the approach to a king. You do realize that an individual, even the queen, could not just walk in and make her request. Is that what you found in your Bible? They had to be invited, or else, if they came, and the king would reach out the golden scepter and touch them, that meant you can go ahead and approach and give your request. Now, that's in God's Bible, and it's there for a reason, and it's there for a, an example unto us. Make a little note of that to where you can remember that. Study on it sometime. You might want to read on some occasions where that actually happened. And you'll learn that approaching the king is not done in just any old manner that you want. We are dealing with the king of kings and the lord of lords. And when I say that he will not accept any manner, I do not mean by that that he wants great big long phrases and well-worded sentences and big words. That's not what I'm talking about. Attitude is the main thing that God is looking at in our lives. But we must learn that our approach to God cannot be casual. It cannot be at our own will. We've got to come on His terms or we're wasting our hour in prayer. And believe me, there's been many, many hours wasted in what was thought to be prayer time because it was not the right approach. I contend by study of his word, by practical experience, personal experience, I contend that there is a channel of approach every time you go and pray, that God will accept one of these channels of approach. And I contend that if you try any of the others when he's calling for one, I contend you're wasting your time. And since we spend such little time in prayer, we really need to make it count while we're there. And uh, that's what I'm interested in. I want, if I could do one thing, I mean it's boiling inside of me, if I could somehow stir you and awaken you and teach you to be nothing but a great prayer warrior. You would forget great orator ability. You would forget sermonizing. You would forget a lot of things. And I'm not discrediting good preaching. I believe that that's an important point. I believe you ought to have something to feed the people every once in a while. But you'd forget a lot of that if you knew this. Because when a man knows how to touch God, he can get results if he can't hardly have talk. Now that may sound a little bit, but I know what I'm talking about. I've seen them that way. 
that got results, and when you started to compare their speaking ability to someone else's. Have you ever, don't think critical tonight, but have you ever heard a preacher that preached a great sermon but did not get anyone in the altar or did not get anybody prayed through? There's a reason for all of that. I mean, the sermon was great. You, you wouldn't have been embarrassed to heard it at one of the greatest gatherings, but the results was not there. Now, there's a reason for that, and you need to find out what it is, and one of it is simply what I'm telling you tonight, that God has a channel of approach that he'll accept. You go to prayer tonight before you go to bed. Remember this one thing. I want to find out which one of these channels he's taking me tonight. The boys got these uh, CBs. They, they know more about channels and the value of them, I guess, than most of us. If you're going to talk to a man on channel 9, don't turn to 13. You won't get it. Well, I'm trying to tell you God's on 13 some nights and we're on 9. And you wonder why no results. And you fret and you become discouraged. And after all, after a while, your prayer life is, is dying because it's not interesting anymore. The results is not coming. Friend, when you go to get some, I mean some genuine results, you'll be at the prayer meeting next morning. There's nothing more exciting than getting a prayer through to God. I can not think of anything. To know that I go down and say, God, now I want this, and would you do this? And a few days passes, and you look up, and there it is. And man, you know you prayed that prayer. And it's very possible nobody else prayed it but you. And whether they did or not, I generally always claim my part of it. I don't believe I'm wrong in doing that. I need to encourage myself in the Lord. Amen. And that's one way to do it. I don't glory in it. I did not do it because I was anything great, but I, I do like to give myself a little credit because it builds my faith. And I believe that's a secret to successful praying. If a man's always going to condemn himself and destroy himself and never ever accept any credit for his prayer, doesn't mean he gets up and says, Folks, man, I was the one done all that praying. I don't mean that type of thing. I preached for a fellow one time and I made mention that I was going to pray for the saints that they would get stirred and couldn't sleep at night. And one of the best members of his church got us around the table and made the statement. said, Brother Bean, you know, you mentioned the other night that you was going to pray we couldn't sleep. said, I haven't slept since. The pastor became very jealous. He says, uh, I was the one who said that. Now, that's not what I'm talking about there. That's a little different. But I do believe I need to give myself credit. Do you understand what I'm saying? That my faith might be built up? Thank the Lord. Supplication, prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving, the channels of approach. Let's take prayer to begin with. You know, it's strange why our entire subject is prayer, and yet prayer is one of the channels of approach. But I think maybe you'll understand it as we get into it a little more. Let's take prayer to begin with. Now, I must make this statement very clear and not only for the subject of prayer, for any subject. When you start to emphasize one point anywhere in the Bible, you, you are suddenly in a dangerous position of making yourself look like you're contradicting another point. And uh, you, I'm sure you possibly have noticed that already in hearing preachers and maybe preached yourself. But when you start to drive one point home or turn a spotlight on a certain subject, if you're not careful, it makes it sound like you are contradicting another subject when all you're doing is bringing out this one. 
So this is what I want you to understand as we go into this subject of prayer. Prayer is simply talking to God. That's all in the world it is. Whilst I was speaking in prayer, I was just talking to him. Now this type of praying does not necessarily mean that you feel all that much. It does not mean that you would be talking in tongues or weeping. You do not feel any particular spirit. You may be just simply talking to God. But now please don't hang up there and justify not praying through and say, well, I'm praying now. I start out with prayer and try to get the rest of it. I seek for supplication. I open my channels up for intercession. I want thanksgiving if it'll come to me. If none of this comes, I search my heart. If everything's clear and I know it's right with God and there's no hindrance for me to go further in prayer, deeper in prayer, then I'll just accept prayer tonight. I'm just talking to God. And in our points that we'll bring up later on the steps to successful praying, we're going to have to refer back to this. But let's start with this to begin with. Prayer is just what it means. It's just talking to God. And uh, some folks think that I'm not getting my prayer through unless I'm feeling a mighty vibration. Now, I want to feel it, and I seek to feel it. And I believe you ought to pray through often. I don't believe you ought to go a long time without talking in tongues. That old doctrine of one time talking in tongues and you'd live for God from then on, man, that's wrong. Somebody is, is, is doing you an injustice. You've got to have your soul renewed. Are you going to dry up spiritually and you're going to lose your faith and you'll lose your inspiration? Everything about you will die. So you need to be refilled. So don't take this prayer as a justification that and uh, Brother Bean says, well, I'm not supposed to feel anything, so month in and month out, I just dry. They say, good night, Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. If you have searched out these channels and they don't show up a red light or some kind of a signal, well, then just go to talking to it as friend to friend. And don't let doubt come in your mind simply because you're not vibrating with weeping or with the rejoicing or talking in tongues that your prayer is not going through. And I believe when I go down there and I've searched my heart and it's nothing there that's wrong and I don't feel anything else but just talking to him, I've got just as much confidence that he's hearing that as if I was screaming to the top of my voice with weepings because it's one of the channels of approach. Now generally this takes more faith than the others. This kind of praying takes a little more faith to operate because you don't particularly have all that much feeling. It's, uh, you're just talking to him. But some of the greatest uh, answers I've ever received from God was just pray. I remember, uh, pardon personal references, but you know, I'm like uh, the apostles. Peter was, I believe it was. He said, we cannot help but speak those things which we have seen and heard. So, uh, but I remember praying for a man that was deaf and uh, came up on wanted prayer. I, I didn't feel a thing. Man, it didn't never come. I just through obligation to God and to the man and honoring his faith, I laid hands on him. And it was the driest prayer of my existence, I guess. But that old man came to church the next morning hearing. It was not a matter that I had to wait. Oh, oh brother, uh, uh, well, I forgot his name now, but anyhow, he used to pray for the sick quite a bit. And he was praying for a lady one night, and he just said, Oh, God, heal this woman in Jesus' name. And she looked up and said, But... Uh, 
Brother, I'm real sick. So he grabbed her and shook her a little bit to my God, heal her, oh Lord, heal her in Jesus' name. She was satisfied. She could not imagine without some type of a massive shaking that he even was sincere. Now this is the error that you will find people's minds about praying. I believe that, uh, I don't think I should just drive around and pray. I believe I need to get down on my knees sometime. I believe I need to get along with God. But I believe I can walk and talk with him just like I could walk and talk with Brother Davis. Friend to friend. Brother Davis, this is the way it is now. And, and so on. And here we go. And we're talking. We're friends. And I'll show you by the Bible that there is an attitude that God enjoys in you when you can stand up like a man and approach God as a friend. All right? Prayer is simply talking to God without any particular feelings. Be sure you've checked your heart to see that it's not something wrong with you is the reason you're not feeling anything. The next step into prayer is supplication. Supplication is a little more intense than just praying. Generally, supplication has got feelings with it. It's got tears. Or it's got some emotional feeling involved when you get that deep into prayer. And supplication helps, helps our faith. When the spirit of supplication will come on you, it's a little more intense and it helps you to know that God's helping you pray. And that's why some folks get confused is when they don't get that feeling, they think God's not hearing them, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he doesn't hear because you don't have the spirit of supplication. Intercession is the deepest prayer that you can pray. When you have received the spirit of intercession, you're as far into that inner court of talking to God that you'll ever get. You have arrived at the holy place. There is no such a thing as a deeper, more intense communion between your soul and your God than intercession. And generally, intercession is with great groanings. It is with, as Paul said, groanings that cannot be uttered. It is the despair of the soul. It's a time when it seems like you must have the answer or die. Intercession is that type of Praying that takes physical strength. A lot of people don't, uh, they don't even know what intercessory prayer is. I usually look for the intercessors. If I go preach a revival, I usually look to see if God's got one in that church. And thoroughly encouraging because I have seen them save a service. One particular place I was at, there was a little old frail woman that was the intercessor for that revival. I have seen the service tie up and things were not moving. And I'd glance over at her and there she'd be getting drawn in knots. I mean, just physically. I've seen her literally fall over on the seat with groanings that could not be uttered. But it wouldn't be but a few minutes till things started breaking and happening because she went into that inter-sanctuary with God. And generally... Intercession is a particular prayer. Would you please note this? It is a particular prayer for a particular thing and generally for a particular time. Very seldom would you ever go into intercession that there would not be at least quick results. Maybe not immediate, but quick results. Intercession generally produces the current answers because they're particular prayers for particular needs for particular times. 
It's something that uh, if you're going to allow your soul to become led and directed in prayer, you, uh, you cannot be your own. Because at three o'clock in the morning, the Spirit may hit you. Well, you can't say, well, I'm sleepy, and I'll pray at nine. Because intercession means i got to have it now. The high God of heaven knows the answers needed out there badly. And you would think that God would go ahead and do it. But he won't. He's chosen that men pray. And as I've often said, God doesn't care till we care. And that's a good saying you need to remember. If that's not true, why do whole cities lie waste and nobody there saved? Why don't he just go save them? But God has chosen that through the prayer and intercession of men, that souls would be saved and things would happen. Certainly, the Bible said he knows what we need before we ask. But he won't do anything about it till we ask. He has chosen the method of prayer. So when he, knowing what's needed, and he reaches out and says, Okay, I need you. Let's say it's Brother Jimmy Lee tonight. At 3 o'clock in the morning, he's walked with God, and he's open for calls 24 hours. And a, a real prayer warrior is open for calls. He can't say, I'll pray at 10 o'clock in the morning. He's got to say, I'm ready, Lord, anytime. And that's the very reason why a lot of people shun it. Let's say there's a need over here, desperate need. God sees it, and he searches his camp out, and he looks and says, there's a heart I can touch, and he'll do it. I, I can trust him. Remember this. You'll never be used in intercession if you haven't been consistent in living for God. If your life is not consistent and faithful, you'll never know this spirit of intercession. Because he's got to know you before he'll trust you to go that far. As an example, God gave me an example of this. And uh, I'll refer to it now and give you some other examples later of intercession. I was in South America. Morning about 4 o'clock, we were awakened. A friend of mine was with me there, and we were suddenly awakened with a terrible burden of prayer. Now, when I say that intercession is a particular prayer for a particular thing, that does not mean that we always know what that is. But the Bible teaches us that the Spirit bears our infirmities and prays for us. In other words, sometimes the Bible said we do not know what to pray for. So the Spirit takes over. But don't forget there is a particular thing that the Spirit's dealing with. Well, this morning we felt such a heaviness to pray. And for about uh, two and a half hours, I mean hard pray, travail, groanings, not knowing what it was, but you can be rest assured it was some particular need. We got on a plane and was going from Barranquilla, Colombia to Bogota. And on the way, we stopped at an airport at, uh, I believe it was Calca. I forget the name of the place. But anyhow, it was right at the edge of the Caribbean. The runways ran right up to the water edge. We were coming in, and at that time of the year, it was heavy, dense fog. And uh, the pilot could not see his way at all. And he was depending entirely on the tower giving him information. And they gave him evidently the wrong information or else he didn't follow it as he should. And we looked out and the wheels of that plane was just a matter of two or three feet from the Caribbean. He had undershot the runway, oh, I don't know, I'd say a good half mile. And uh, it seemed to me, I don't believe I'm imagining, 
But it seemed to me that that plane, instead of gradually rising, it seemed like a strong hand picked it up about, oh, at least, say, at least a hundred feet or so. Just seemed like instantly I felt a strength. And we landed that plane and, of course, waited around for the fog to clear away some. Got back on it and started on to Bogota, and we were sitting back there, passengers. And uh, here comes the pilot, walked down the aisle, and this is very uncommon. Commercial airline. He walked back and passed everyone till he got to us. And he stood there and says, uh, gentlemen, in his broken English, he says, would you like to come in the cockpit and watch us fly the plane? Well, planes have always fascinated me. That's, I could just almost live in one. Well, man, yes. Didn't know it was possible. So my partner was with me there. He wasn't interested. He just peeped in, went on and sat down. But I went in and sat on that third seat there between the pilot, co-pilot. I saw the mountain peaks before any of the other passengers did. I saw the deep gorges and the canyons. I saw the landing strip. The other passengers were simply looking out a little window, seeing things as they passed them. I saw them a long time before we got to them. Got to uh, Bogota, I said, you gentlemen like for me to go back while you land? He said, well, stay here, it's all right. Watch us landing. I heard them talk uh, to the towers as they pass over different cities. It's a thrill to me. That was lesson number two God was giving me on intercession. I didn't realize at the time, but it's been very valuable to me since then. And then, to just put the icing on the cake for me, he gave me the scripture where David said, O thou that hearest prayer, unto thee shall all flesh come. And then he said, Blessed is the man whom God chooseth and causeth to approach unto him. Blessed is that man. That God says, uh, you like to come in the cockpit? You want to watch me fly this thing? You see, there is such a thing as walking with God till you can see mountain peaks ahead of you. Some people never know what's going to happen till it's done happening. They're just peeping out, riding as a passenger. I refuse to be that type of a preacher. I refuse to be so lackadaisical and unconcerned that I simply peep out a little peephole and see where others have been. Every now and then, God, would you trust me to call me to the cockpit and let me know what's going to happen, the storm that's ahead, and prepare me for it? And tell me about it. I'm not a busybody. I just like to get in the cockpit with him. I like the communion. I like to hear the the uh, conversations that are going on. And it's a thrill to me to watch him maneuver the thing. Praise God, there's no thrill on earth. Now here I have interceded, actually. And I believe with all of my heart, I'll die believing that that two hours or two hours and a half that we spent in intercession is what saved us from ditching the thing in the Caribbean. I'm convinced that was it. I believe the hand of God picked the plane up myself. Fantastic or whatever you want to say, I believe that. I, I know God said In fact, there was a salesman uh, on that plane for that particular airline, and that man was very concerned. He said, do you realize we were only about two feet from that water? He said, that's a miracle. That's, that's something. I believe with all of my heart the intercession of two hours saved a whole plane and all the passengers. Then, on top of that, the little practical lesson of allowing a pilot to pass others, passengers in there, and come to my where I was sitting and say, would you like to come in the cockpit? 
Now, I considered that an honor. You, I, you don't ever hear that. And I, I was thrilled. The other party, I do not criticize him for it, but it's typical. The spiritual application is typical. He wasn't interested. He peeped in and went on back and rolled as a passenger. And many times we're satisfied to just sit down with our little prayer. And I repeat, our little good night, Jesus, when he's begging us, come on in. I'll show you the intricate parts of this thing. I'll show you mountain peaks out oh, yonder. Yeah. I'll tell you about things out yonder that, that others cannot know. I'll carry you on the wings of the morning and let you see what's fixing to take place that day. Friend, to me, that's valuable for a preacher. If you're going to pastor a church, you better know ahead of time what's fixing to happen. You better have that fellow in that up there, I mean, managing that rig to come tell you to look in on what's going on. You better live in such an atmosphere of prayer, consecration, that blessed is the man whom God chooses. Not a pilot of a little old South American airline, but the high God of heaven said, here's a seat for you for a while. And I'll tell you some secrets. My Bible said, he tells me very clearly, he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets. If you want to really know some walk in the spirit of prayer, then once in a while, he can get you in on that particular prayer. I'll give you an example. Sister Freeman, a missionary to South Africa, said on her first voyage over, they had a number of children, I forget now, five or six, and a little bitty baby, and every one of the children developed whooping cough, and the baby developed pneumonia and she had had some nursing experience and she said I knew that my baby was dying and of course when you're out on a ship and you die or your loved one dies they bury you at sea and she had the horror of thinking about watching them put her child overboard into that ocean wrestled with them for days and nights because they were all sick she said she was so exhausted that she could not even pray anymore all she knew to do is she knelt by the baby's bed and said, whispered to God, Oh God, lay me on somebody's heart. Let somebody somewhere pray for me. And said she was kneeling there and all of a sudden it felt like a warm breeze began to blow into that ship cabin. And she saw that baby's chest relax into normal breathing and into a normal sleep. And it was well. She received two letters from widely separated areas. Both of them said the same thing. Neither one of them knew the other. Sister Freeman, what was wrong with you on a certain date and the baby and a certain hour of the day? We were compelled to pray. Blessed is the man whom God chooses. God reached way up here in the United States somewhere. I don't know where they were. Says to this one over here, say, I've got a child out there that's just in despair has whispered to me to lay her on somebody's heart. Would you take her? Yes, Lord. I'll go in the cockpit. I'll carry the load. And in the meantime, he reaches for another one. And both of them, exactly the date, exactly the same time, said the same thing. What was wrong with you and the baby? And she checked it out and compared it, and it was identically the same time that she had knelt there and waited and said, lay me on somebody's heart. To me, preach your sermons and have everybody walk up to you and say, oh, that was a great message. 
But if I could just know God will trust me tonight to let me go in that cockpit and talk to him about a, a specific need, friend, that's the height of honor. All right, you just heard the first part of this. Let me know what you thought about the audio recording. And uh, we'll be uploading the others if we can get the audio cleaned up as best as we can. But uh hope it was a blessing.